Coming up on this episode, we begin by discussing the best ways to move Dan around the country and the tough tax laws of New York State. Then we get into the week's tech news, including the RAA's battle with Twitch and the completely unsurprising demise of Quibi. Stick around, it all starts right now. This is Don't Panic, episode number 291, recorded October 26th, 2020. Dan the Traveling Man. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Don't Panic, the technology podcast on gadgets, the internet, and you. I am Sean Jennings, joined by two guys who I am convinced are increasingly looking like one another. It's Colby Rabinu and Dan Miller. I swear, every time I see you, you two look like you're, you're becoming one. Is it the hoodie? I, I think it's I think it's the camera angles a little bit, and the lighting oh, is, yeah. has kind of changed a bit. I think Same it's the microphone. I think it's Colby, the. Did you get one of these ring lights? I don't have a ring light, no, but I do have a light up there. But There's like a light. The side quaffed hair. You guys kind of have similar noses, even. I think. I think if Colby just went blonde, it'd be a dead. Well, I mean, it could happen. Yeah, <laughs> after all, had a terrible bleach accident or something. <laughs> if ever there was a time to dye your hair blonde, Colby, it's it's now. Just in time for yeah. Halloween. <laughs> What's scarier than being Dan Miller? Uh, what's uh, what, what's going on, guys? What's new? Another, uh, another week in the... Yeah, my, my challenge that I posed to the two of you was if one wanted to rent a car for about six months but possibly didn't want to have a car thereafter, right? So the, the challenge is not at least six months. The challenge is at most six months. Uh, but more than a week, more than one month, less than six months. How would you actually do it? How would you, and rent a car is like, I'm not prescribing that it must be rented. How would one obtain a car for six months and then divest oneself of a car after six months? And uh, I will give slightly more background on your story without giving the whole thing away uh, because my crazy idea needs more context, which is um, you were essentially going on the road for six months uh, in a remote from work situation where you're not going to be in the city in which you live where you don't need a car. Correct. So here's my brilliant idea. You should buy an RV. <laughs> uh-huh. Do, need I say more? Um, maybe. Like, I, I haven't looked into like the total cost of ownership, as it were, on an RV, right? Like, if you were to live in an RV full-time for months, like, you have to park at these campsites so they give you electricity. Like, what's the rate on that? Those usually aren't. Exp- I mean, that's easily under a hundred bucks a night, depending on you know some are more expensive than others. Okay. okay. Um. So so you're probably under the cost of of an of an Airbnb or something like that at that point. Sure. Um, and if you bought a let's all right, I'm gonna go because. If you think about it, I so I did Google an RV depreciates about thirty percent over five years. Not that you'd keep it for that long, but if I go on eBay and I go into cars, oh, here's the other thing I know though is that the RVs, like everything that would be useful, is a hot commodity right now. But shouldn't that give mm-hmm. you an idea that you should you should do it? You know what I'm saying? Like, isn't that telling you something? Oh, here's the other problem. The problem with this uh, plan is that one thing that we will definitely be doing is going skiing, 
which involves driving up mountains uh, in potentially in the snow. Oh, this is mm. great. The 2018 <laughs> Thor Motor Coach Four Winds. It's a 24-footer. Available right now for sale, $45,900, okay? Now, I know what you're thinking. Sean, that, what a bargain that is. It's only got 17,000 miles on it, all right? Yeah. Its color scheme is cream. It has a slide-out. It has surround sound. It's got a stove and a sink and a fridge and a bathroom with a toilet and everything. I mean, this is, this is a beautiful piece of equipment, Dan. Mm-hmm. And it could be yours for the low price of of forty five. So you buy it now for forty five thousand. You sell it for thirty eight thousand when you're done after six months. I mean, that's a bargain. That's true. Here's the other thing, though, and I'm so glad I haven't had to think about this up until now. In some ways, but now I realize that it's like uh, like when my mom stopped doing my taxes, I was like, oh shit! Like I don't know how to do any of this stuff. Here's the other problem I learned about today is that there are you can get taxed on selling a car and that that eats into it, too. But only if you sell it at a profit, I guess. So that's that's OK. But there can be fees associated with with selling a car. That's another thing to keep in mind. But in general, like. To the people who Sean, mostly, I guess, who has more experience with cars, is like selling a car after six months, like. Can you do that? Uh, like, legally, can you do it? Yes. Is it a smart investment? No. Well, I, it's not an investment. If I were renting a car, that's not, that's a very not smart investment. It's the, the opposite of investment. It's an expense. Well, that's, I think, to be honest, this is like half a joke answer, half a real answer, because I do think, Dan, you would enjoy the RV lifestyle just to try it out. I do, because you're kind of an adventurous guy. You get to meet all kinds of interesting people. You can you don't have to pick one place and stay. Yeah. Um, I think true. you'd like it, but it's not an you're, economical for you're, like you're all already close to, you're already used to small living quarters being a That's Oh my god, it'd be generous. City. Would be spacious. <laughs> it has does your apartment have slide outs? No. <laughs> it should though. Especially that, my kitchen. That would be really funny. Uh but no, I just think, um, but it's not, the buying and selling, what you really, if you could rent an RV for six months, I just don't think you could do that. I just think that would be a more fun way to experience Oh, that's a business for sure, renting an RV. Oh, for sure, but not for six months. It's oh, kind of yeah, like a I'd, car well, where it's like it's built to rent for a weekend or a week and not six months. Yeah, I don't know. People go RVing for a summer. Um, that uh, rent RVs? I don't know. I did find out that there's Airbnb for RVs. I don't know, Dan. Maybe you should look into it. And, you know, uh, by the way, and I will supplement, like, if you did want to go to, like, a uh, a ski resort or something, that's when you just rent a car for a day or two. Right, but we would be going every weekend. Okay, well, you know, <laughs> have you ever considered that's too much skiing? I, you, you don't have to convince me. Take it that. from me, that's a guy who's never been skiing. <laughs> that's a uh, an external uh requirement let's say okay so you need you need an op okay yep so the other thing is like it can't just be like the world's worst car we would want it to have all-wheel drive but it doesn't need to be a fancy car okay what if you did uh, he oh go ahead. No, go ahead i was gonna say i thought i had a brilliant solution to this okay For the last couple of days 
uh, there are these newfangled things called car subscriptions, um, where you pay a fee. It's typically a bit more than a lease, uh, but you get a car for... You can get whichever car you want, and you can change it however often you want uh, through direct from the manufacturer, kind of. So, like, Ford has one of these, and I don't know. I think Audi has one. The only problem is they're all in test markets only. So it's like only in Dallas, Texas, only in Nashville, Tennessee, only in Atlanta. Except Volvo, you can get a Volvo like four-wheel drive car for six fifty a month with everything included, insurance, like maintenance, roadside assistance, all that stuff. Except if you live in New York. And I thought, like, well, that's fine. I'm not I'm not gonna uh, place my order in New York, but it doesn't matter because your license will be in New York because that's where you came from and they won't do it. Some legal reason why you can't have these programs in New York. Damn. All right. So what can I another strike. All right, I'm going to pitch you another alternate option. Yeah. Buy a used car. Mm-hmm. And then Tell you can more. just like drive it off a cliff after. <laughs> Colby, Colby, I, I always think about how, and I don't remember if you actually did this, when you were moving back from San Francisco, you threatened to just throw out all of your clothes and buy new ones. <laughs> I, di- I didn't actually do that. Um, I got that all the time. I'm trying to think if I have any clothes now that I also had while I was in San Francisco. <laughs> Not really, I don't think. I, I should have just done it. Uh, buying a used car. Yeah. Now, that, yeah, I just having a hard time modeling, like, it seems to make a lot of sense, even in the Volvo s- scenario, right? Uh, where it's $650 a month. For six months, that's $1,200. Like, if you kept a used car for six months, like, what's the likelihood that it would depreciate by $1,200? Well, I mean, that, I, I, I mean, I, but that's I mean, how many miles are you going to drive? I mean, that's really the even if you looked at leasing or anything else, it's it's all about your mileage driven. I mean, if you're going to if you live right next to the mountain that you're apparently skiing in six days a week, um, you know, then you're not going to be putting a lot yeah. of miles on if you plan to travel all around the state. And, you know, that yeah. that's going to add up. I think I think if you don't put a, mileage is what kills you on an because if you're buying like a 2012 used car, I'm just picking a year. Um, versus a 2013 or 2011, it, it that's not where the difference comes in. The difference comes in in the mileage. Um, mm-hmm. and so as long as you're not like doubling the mileage, you should be able to get a decent amount back. But my thought was, Dan, and I'm going to put another spin on it for you. So there are all of these like, uh, car sharing services, right? Where you rent out time in your car when you're not using it. Why mm-hmm. don't you just bring the car back to New York city with you? And just keep it as a side gig where you rent, just let anyone use the car as much as they want. You can use it sparingly. Do it for a couple of years until the thing breaks and then just get rid of it. It will have paid for itself and then some by then. Sean, I'll give you one reason why that plan won't work. Because it's too smart. <laughs> because those services are also illegal in New York. Oh my god, Dan, live in a good city, please. <laughs> uh. oh, think of all the better cities you could be living in. Yeah, Like Toledo. <laughs> we will be thinking about that. The other problem, and I and it's not a problem for small numbers, but the New York tax, New York City tax rate on buying a car is 
8.75%, uh, which is, I'm told, much higher than it would be in other places, more than twice as high. A car uh, purchase tax? Yeah. Do you mean? In Connecticut, it's like 6%. Yeah. And in a lot of states, it's more like 4%. I bought my car in Connecticut like an idiot. Right, but then... <laughs> Don't you actually riddle me this, John, because from what I was reading, it seems like these various state DMVs have got that loophole pretty well locked down. Where, like, if you buy a car in another state, you will, and you have, because you have to register it in the state that you have a license. Right, in the state you live. In the state you live, they will find that out and they will tax you on it, and you'll just have to ask the other state for a tax rebate. Yeah, what they do, or I, anyway, I can only tell you in my very specific situation, living in Massachusetts and buying a car in Connecticut, but this dealership, I guess, sells a lot of cars to people in Massachusetts. So they do all the paperwork for you between the two states and like do the difference in the taxes and they handle all the like, you pay them an amount of money and they just pay the taxes for you and pay the difference. They just handled all the paperwork. So it's something they were very used to doing. Got it. So that that would be a reason not to buy hmm. this car. Is like, would the amount of money I would save be like, right? Would it all come out in the wash because I'd be paying a almost nine percent sales tax on it? You know, do they have this? Isn't going to help you, but do they have? I'm not a big Airbnb Airbnb guy. In fact, I've never used the service before um, because I stay in hotels like a fancy man. And but are there Airbnbs that come with cars? <laughs> Like, that, isn't that a good idea? Like, someone should buy a car, leave I mean, it with the Airbnb. Right, I bet they're... Uh-oh. I'm still here. Okay. I'm here. Did the cat turn off the light switch or something? No, I'm having... Ever since I... You know, I love my desktop. It's a great piece of equipment. <laughs> but ever since... Every time I move it, something new and weird happens. And the new uh-huh. thing now is, since I moved here... My all of my USB ports don't play nice, and because I'm running two USB cameras at the same time, it'll just like flick them on and off. It's very weird. <laughs> I forgot what I was saying before. Uh, what was I saying before, Sean? Uh, I, Airbnb for car, but with cars. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, there are definitely Airbnbs that have like bikes, right? For, it's got to like, be an insurance thing. Around, no, it's got to be like, an insurance thing, boats. right? Like you can't have a bunch of strangers right. driving your car around. <laughs> so I get why legally it makes sense. Right. I'm just trying to help my poor friend Dan. He's gonna, he's going to be hitchhiking his way up to the mountain. Yeah. Well, if we could prove, uh, and if you're an IRS tax auditor, stop listening now. If we could prove that at the time we bought the car, we had every intent of moving to the state in which we bought it, then then we could change our license and register the car there and pay that state's sales tax. Well, yeah, I mean, one thing I've learned as somebody who moved to Texas for a year and stupidly paid to have his car registration switched over and his title switched over and his license switched over and all that, if you just pay the fees, you can just, like, get all your shit transferred. It's not hard. Right. And it's, I think, I think in total for all that crap, it was just a couple hundred bucks. It wasn't, like, super duper outrageous. Mm Mm-mm. In but, Texas, anyway. Uh, because New York State knows that people would want to do this because the taxes are so high, they have state audit offices in other states 
for people who move out of New York State. If you move out of New York State, you're pretty much guaranteed to get a tax audit. God, what a hellhole. I know. Good for them. That that seems like responsible tax business. <laughs> like they, they ought to they ought to have. <laughs> and that's why the New York government is rolling in money. Um, <laughs> that's why. That's why. For whatever reason, we're just going to keep ranting. Here's the other thing that's happening to me. I I wake up Saturday morning. I think it's like any other day, right? Uh, there's quite a bit of noise outside. There's cheering. There's honking. I'm like, well, that's not unusual. But wait, I'm like, wait a second. It is unusual. We're in the middle of the pandemic. Like, what? Are, what is going on? And it's like 9.30 in the morning. Uh, I forgot that I live next to a polling site. And oh. so my apartment has basically been under siege by democracy for the last four days. Uh, with the line wrapping around the block three times. So whenever you want to leave, you have to walk through three rows of people, very poorly socially distanced, get out your door uh, all day long. And it's like, wait a second. Like, how is this happening? This is New York State. It's like, the like, you know, what's going on here? And of course, it's our first ever year having early voting, which I think we talked about previously. Uh, but I can tell you it is not going well. Like, <laughs> It, I don't know if it's the social distancing or if the line just moves really slowly or what, but the early each early voting day has like the longest waits I've ever seen for any voting ever. And every day it's the same. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I don't know what New York State's up there. Either. Aside from sending everyone the wrong and absentee ballots. In- yeah, Dan, you will... you got to get positive. You look at this. What 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 is this pessimism? I'm not used to this from you, Dan. Your the solution to the problem we've been talking about for the last 15 minutes is right in front of your apartment. All you have to do is step outside. Ice cold bottle of water, two dollars. Hot dogs, five dollars. <laughs> You'll buy yourself a new car in no time. It's a it's a captive audience selling peanuts or coffee. That's true. I thought about that. I, I, uh, I think that's a no-brainer. Or, or even just walk around with a tin. We're taking donations to the Get Dan a Car Fund. <laughs> Get Dan the heck out the of here. The only upside city. is that each morning I can look out the window and see if I should go try to vote today. Without having to walk all the way there. That's true. Well, that's what so you. The answer has been no every day. You gotta get some. You gotta go down the line and get someone. Be like, dude, save a spot for me in front of you. I'm gonna go upstairs and watch TV. Get a democracy com- line sitter on TaskRabbit. Yes, yes, exactly. Be like, sir, are you here to vote? No, no, no. Dan's coming to vote. I'm just holding his <laughs> spot. Oh boy. Oh my god. So I had an early voting experience of sorts. So. I voted by mail, but I delivered my ballot in person to a ballot drop box. So I did this last week. And this past Friday, the very ballot box that I voted at, someone dropped an incendiary device into it. That was yours. Burned up a bunch of ballots. Yeah. That was my. Wow. That was a big story. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, It was not my ballot. Luckily, I was days before, but some 35 ballots were destroyed. 
How can they tell how many were destroyed? I think I they know, maybe with the guess. I think they went back through the security because all those ballot boxes they put them in places that are aggressive. They like have the video of the dude tossing the thing in the ballot box, yeah. so they probably counted how many people came by and dropped off ballots. Is my guess? Oh, I see. It's like at the big library. Yep. That was crazy. Yeah, that's that's bananas. Man, these no on one guys are really out of control. Honestly, though, when I so when I went and dropped off the ballot, the there were like these people who had like a camera set up and were just taking pictures of the ballot box. And I don't like. Voter intimidation. Yeah, like that that was my I wish I wish I asked them what I asked them what they were doing. But like it was it was very uncomfortable. It was super uncomfortable. Like I turned around and you could see the shutter on the camera like click. It was quite unpleasant. They looked like they could be news people, but like they weren't labeled as news people. Right. News people usually have a jacket or a badge or something. Right. They Hmm. were just like weird people in flannel shirts. I don't know. Sounds like typical Boston. Yeah, I didn't I didn't didn't care for it. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. No, I early voted in person and it was super easy and no one was there and I just went in and voted. So I don't have any interesting stories other than the people there were very nice. Yeah. Speaking of interesting stories. Tech news? Are you, oh, I was gonna say, are you gonna finish that sentence, Stan? I didn't know if you you're just full of interesting stories. Yeah, we have some tech news here. Worth talking about um, after last week's Apple Bonanza. We somehow managed to have a few more Apple stories, but what are you going to do? They're the biggest company on the planet. Uh, Guys, while you're deciding what in here you want to chat about, I want to thank everybody watching us live right now at Facebook.com slash Don't Panic Show. Monday night's about 10, 15 Eastern. You can find us there yucking it up. And if you're watching us live, of course, make sure you comment on Facebook. We watch it during the show to see what folks are saying about us. And if you have any thoughts or comments on what we're discussing, we want to hear about it. Guys, what is story numero uno? I vote Twitch streamer licensing bonanza. Do do I have a second? Fine fine by me. Okay, Colby seconded, so... Trying to get more congressional about it. Uh, <laughs> yes, a, a bit of a, a beef brewing, if you will, between Twitch and the Recording Industry Association of America, the Recording Academy, the National Music Publishers Association, the American Association of Independent Music, SAG-AFTRA, and more. Uh, Amazon, owner of Twitch, got a blistering letter about copyright infringement. Uh, according to Variety, the document accuses Twitch of allowing streamers to play copyrighted music without getting the proper licensing to do so. Uh The quote uh, from the letter, Twitch appears to do nothing in response to the thousands of notices of music infringement that it has received, nor does it currently even acknowledge that it has received them as it has done in the past. Um, You may be familiar with uh, YouTube. Uh, This is the same tactic they took to YouTube between 2007 and 2009. Uh, Then YouTube created the uh, content fingerprinting system that they use today. Um, Two major issues here. 
Uh, one is obviously uh, music being played during the games, uh, which uh, Twitch says that they actually pay royalties to the performing rights organization, the publishing side of the business, um, which they do. Unfortunately, the RIAA wants different licenses. They want a public performance license or no. Twitch is paying for a public performance license, which is like playing music in a restaurant or in a park or something, which is much cheaper. Um, what the RIAA wants is like an actual professional. You're using the song in like a movie or TV show type payment. Um, Twitch also said it's soundtrack feature, um, which separates the music from the stream and strips it out when it goes to republish the broadcast. Um, mm-hmm. The group says uh, that without getting too complex into how music is licensed. Uh, it, it goes that uh, the RIA believes that also goes against them. Twitch says it's fully licensed uh, and has agreements in place for the music uh, featured in the product. So it, it's slowly coming to a head. Um, could we be heading for a licensing system like we see on YouTube or will Amazon take on the recording industry? Guys, your thoughts. Do you understand why the, the muting thing is uh, not sufficient? So when, as far as I understand it, and I really don't, uh, if you want to play music on audiovisual content, which is what we're talking about here, you need two different licenses to do it legally. A mechanical license, which gives you the rights to the song, and an, uh, or I'm sorry, a mechanical license, and then a synchronization license, which is a separate license that says you can put it under other content. Believe it or not, those are two separate things. And the issue is, is that Twitch appears, as I understand it, to pay some type of mechanical license to use some of the songs. It's the synchronization license they're not paying for. And mm-hmm. that's what they're upset because the, the songs play under um, play under the live stream, even though they strip it out um, of the uh, back channel, uh, the recorded versions. And, okay... That makes sense. And my next question is, uh, I've seen a lot of Twitch streamers like deleting all of their content. Is that just like, uh, you know, fake news, as it were? And or is is Twitch asking them to do this or are they doing it out of fear that something bad will happen to them because of this letter? No. So the RAA has sent previous letters to Twitch before. About a week ago, Twitch sent out a notice informing thousands of streamers that they had infringed copyright and that the platform was going to delete the videos if they didn't do it first. Um, so I, really what the RAA is pushing more for is a more automated system like what you see on YouTube and not these sort of sporadic, only when we tell you about it, you do something about it type things. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Cold. Yeah. Hmm. 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 Yeah. Interesting. As usual, we're adding a lot of context to this complicated story. Yeah. I mean, I. I mean, we haven't had this conversation in a while, but. Yeah. My so. I'm obviously not a music copyright lawyer. Wait, you're not. No, I'm not. Oh. It turns out. I thought you were on I, Spotify. <laughs> well, whatever color I can lend to this discussion is is things I absorbed half paying attention in meetings from from that. But the like, I thought like a synchronization, the synchronization stuff was necessary for like 
if you like if you made a, a, a third party music video of a song, right? Like or you wanted to put like if you wanted to do like karaoke, right? Like that is synchronization, right? Where the, the video itself is is like synced up with the the music. Like the music is like the music and the video are like combined into the same thing. Like I thought in my head that's what a synchronization license was for. Um, was for that whereas like it seems to me like if the music was like just in a stream like what's the I mean I guess maybe if if the person streaming is like bopping to it then there you go you've gone gone too far you can't dance on camera yeah according to Wikipedia a music synchronization license uh, allowing the licensee to sync music with some kind of visual media output film television shows advertisements video games accompanying uh, website music movie trailers etc so I think it it's kind of on any sort of um, visual medium versus a streaming mp3 or something like that hmm interesting And, and how does this play with fair use Right, like, can't you remix a song or something? Isn't that, uh, or can't you use part of a song in something and that's okay? You can. Uh, it's it's kind of a gray area that courts are still weighing in on what is fair use, but I, I don't have the details of what exactly okay. Twitch has already taken down or what they're asking. I again, I, I circle back to the YouTube copyright system where it scans the videos, and if you use a little bit of a song or you mix it up enough so it's not recognizable as the original, that's fair use, right? And if the algorithm is good enough, if it's enough in there to catch you playing the song, uh, then it's probably close enough that you should license it. Not that that system's Mm. perfect by any stretch. Yeah. Now, here's the... the, This begs the question, has, has Don't Panic ever been... Have we ever received a copyright takedown notice? We, uh, I don't think, because we, we don't play other audio other than our voices basically ever. So no, I will say that the Up for Debate live commentary episode where we had the entire audio of the Ninja Turtles movie underneath us, it was loud enough that we were, we were banned in, so there are no international views of that video. You can't see it outside the U.S. And in the U.S., all the ad money that we don't get would go to the music licensee if we had ads. <laughs> so I let that go. But the video does still exist with the with the um, with the music still in it. The audio still in it. You said that was the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one. Oh, and, and it said right away Teenage oh. Mutant Ninja Turtles. It said right on it and knew right away. So. It was like, it, and it wasn't even, it was just like there was enough background noise in it that it, it was, picked it up. Yep, it was loud enough and recognizable <laughs> enough, I guess, that it could, partly yeah. I think because it was unedited. It was just a one continuous take of the movie rather than clips right. where they could just match right. the whole damn thing. Now, wow. how does that, I, what was the history of the YouTube thing? Did, did Google have to like ingest every song and movie ever created? Or was that provided to them? So I believe now I'm talking right. a little, was, was a that, little out of did my like the RAA give that to them, or did Google go out and do it and like, hey, how about this? Like, no, I believe you off our backs? if you have a copyrighted thing, like say someone posts an episode of Don't Panic and we had copyrighted it, which we don't. It's you know, and we'll feel free to share our show and tell your friends. Um, <laughs> we would ha- it would be the onus would be on us to tell YouTube to look out for this. This is a copyrighted work. Uh huh. 
And so I be- I'm sure at some point, the music companies, the film companies gave YouTube the content in which to match. Google did not go out and do that themselves. But so Google must have asked for it. They must have said, hey, could you send us everything? Probably, especially when they first launched the system. I mean, I'm sure they were more focused because really anyone can put cop- any copyrighted material into um, Google system if you just submitted to them. But I'm sure they started with the big record labels and the big movie studios. And, and I assume went from there. I didn't know that anyone could submit to it. I believe so. I mean, they have to approve it and it's a process. Uh, but anyone, I mean, I've had to, I personally have had to do copyright takedown notices um, for people who have stolen my company's videos or, or wow. used our logo in, uh, inappropriately. Um, and it's kind of the Sean same thing. Basically you, the man. you know, hey, look, I'm, I'm fighting the good fight. Uh, and you basically have to go and prove, like, if you have a, tra- like, say you have a trademark and someone else is using it inappropriately, you have to, like, actually give them the legal trademark registration number. You have to, like, prove all this le- under, like, under penalty of law that this is actually yours and they have to take it down. Huh. It's annoying. But the issue, yeah. the issue with Twitch is it's live, right? I mean, that's that's forever going to be the the problem. Um, there are, I, I have some podcasters I know who do YouTube live streams um, have seen issues where they play licensed music and they'll literally just kill the audio on the stream uh, as it plays. Um, and as the technology, it's not quite there, but as it gets good enough to kind of track it in real time, um, it, it's going to be an increasing issue for sure. What interests me, it's a little bigger than this particular story, but there's also a lot of buzz around um, video game music, the music in the game itself. And is that copyrightable? Um, and should it be legal to stream that? And also, I mean, even the visual content in games, right? Is it even legal to stream that um, is, is a whole question that nobody's really crossed yet. Right. Yeah. But then, like, is it any possible thing generated from video game copyrightable by that? game company well but it would be like if i set up a camera over my shoulder recording me watching a movie i mean is that copyright infringement yeah it seemed to be when you did your audio overlay (laughs) of teenage mutant ninja turtles so i don't see why it wouldn't be yeah because people are going to pirate the movie off of our lame episode um yeah but i you know i i agree with you but are you making a unique because you're talking over it and playing it in a way that can't be replicated theoretically are you creating a unique version but off of copyrighted assets guys they should have lawyers for this why are we talking about this (laughs) it is interesting start a a legal podcast oh absolutely not not even close um i play lawyer too much in my life to to do that unfortunately um any other thoughts on this, or do we want to talk about something else? I don't know. It's such a weird thing. Like, on the one, like, if you don't think about it too much, it's like, yeah, obviously you shouldn't be able to put music in things. But then if you think about it a little bit more, it gets, like, very confusing. Because it's, like, what is what is it? I don't know. It's just, a, like, some, some bits and bits and boops I, I... come through your thing. And right, but at some point, right, the, that like question of like what is fair use or what is what is kind of interesting. Uh, I think the the end game of this it, that's going to be most interesting to me is them coming up with a system. They've never really because even Google's YouTube system isn't great because it's really like 
you just can't use copyrighted content, right? If you try, we're going to shut it down. They haven't figured out a way to be like, oh, you want to use a Whitney Houston song in your thing? Here's how you do it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think if Twitch and Amazon can get to that point where it's like, okay, any streamer who wants to use the music, they have to pay $50 a month or something, and they have the rights to use this catalog of music in their streams or whatever system that is pay per song. Or if you put up a song, we have to put up an ad from the record company and a buy the song link. I don't know what that solution is, but I think that's the more interesting thing to me than them just saying, we're just going to strip it out of any video that that plays music. Now, what is a YouTube thing where sometimes your, your video gets demonetized? Yes. And in that case is the, it's not actually been demonetized de-added it's just that the ad revenue is now going to whitney houston i believe so so wouldn't it be relatively simple to just make part of your ad revenue go to whitney houston i i don't see why not and but 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 the other issue is that's a per individual copyright item choice right whitney houston can allow you to use her songs and take your ad money but uh, Cindy Lauper could say, you just can't use my songs at all. I think it's more interesting if that's a, if that's a uniform solution. Right. Where we're going to do this for everybody and create a standard. That's the problem with Google is it's just so inconsistent from artist to artist, from stream, from account to account, channel to channel. If you just had one flat system where it's like, look, here's all the major. There's only like five major record labels. You just do the negotiation and you say, look, use any major song you want in your stuff. Here's the penalty or payment or system for doing so. And I would think artists would love that because they're making fractions of pennies on Spotify. So let somebody use my song under their game stream and I make 20 cents. Yeah. That's more than I'm making on Spotify. You know? Yeah. It, it's and interesting. It would, like, I think one of the things that as someone who's really into a, into Super Smash Brothers, like, this is a little bit of a cultural crisis for us because there's so many, so much uh, history recorded in these things, which has now just all been deleted. Yep. Uh, and like, from the viewer's perspective, we'd rather keep, we'd rather the demonetization route or the muting route. Like, uh, both of those are, are preferable. Yeah, and I think that's as long as twitch keeps kind of pushing back the the recording industry this it's going to keep they're going to have to keep doing this because if they don't put a system in place this is really their only alternative is to get sued or just straight up delete stuff unfortunately yeah (sighs) a bummer indeed um okie doke how about another we got time for another story guys we can talk about the end of Quibi. We can talk about PayPal bringing uh, a cryptocurrency. Quibi. Google antitrust. We talk about Quibi. Quibi goes quib. Bye bye. I feel like this is such a good Sean story. Quibi. Um, yes, Quibi. Who could remember? Just uh, what a time in our lives. The Quibi streaming like, era. I feel like I only heard about Quibi shortly before it shut down. Does anyone? Does anyone? Maybe you already looked. Do you know how... Can anyone tell me what month Quibi launched? December 2019. July 2020. April 2020. Believe it or not, six months. It made it six months. Over $2 billion raised. 
and it made it six months. Um, we've talked about Quibi on the show before, the streaming platform uh, founded by Jeffrey Katzberg and Meg Whitman, two people who admit they don't watch television, which I find very amusing. Um, very short-lived after burning through billions of dollars and creating a bunch of shows nobody wanted to watch. Uh, the five-buck-a-month service, um, which was exclusively on mobile devices at launch, that was sort of their gimmick and that you could turn the phone to see the shows in other angles, um, was, uh, was no more. Whoops. Uh, a study yeah. found that claimed that Quibi lost over 90% of its subscribers after the initial three-month trial, uh, with just 72,000 people sticking around as paid customers. Oof. Uh, there's a great article on The Verge here, 11 Reasons Why Quibi Failed. Um, I won't go through all of them, but some of them are not surprising, including Quibi shows were terrible, uh, which I don't think anyone could name a single one that anyone watched. Um exclusively on mobile really has watching tv shows on mobile phones really taken off in in a way that would do well for an exclusive service i don't know uh branding and marketing problems at the top uh there's plenty of other better content to watch on your phone um and just nobody nobody wanted it i don't know guys any any thoughts on quibi what was your favorite i should ask what was your favorite quibi show well, I don't know what any Quibi shows are. It seems like a huge missed opportunity. Like, they launched, like, right at the start of the pandemic, which presumably has been very good for streaming services. <laughs> I think I think that's true, right? Like, how, how, do you me- how do you mess that up? How do you mess that up? Well... They did. They did it. Well, you know... I, I, go I was going to say that it's you know on the one hand yeah streaming service has done really well but this is like the anti-streaming streaming service it was yeah. really more competing with like tiktok than netflix because mm-hmm. it was supposed to be like these little i i don't know if you said this sean like little five minute episodes you could watch on your commute or something oh it was designed for travel Weird. And that's this is if you ask Quibi, they say the pan, we would have been fine without the pandemic. And I, I believe that had a piece to do with it. I really do. Yeah. But I mean, they were crashing and burning from from day one. I mean, it's it's just the content wasn't good and they never had an angle or I mean, you look at all the recently launched streaming services, right? Your Peacock, HBO Now or HBO Max. Sorry. Um Disney Plus, they're all tied to media properties where you kind of know what you're getting. And even Hulu was like, we're the TV streaming service with Next Day TV. Netflix, we're Netflix, and we don't really need that. Prime, you get it with the Prime subscription. I mean, they all have an angle where you have at least some reason to get interested in them. And Quibi was like, we have shows, and you can turn your phone, and the show is sideways or vertical, you know? Yeah. Uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? I don't remember. I think it's kind of interesting how, like, yeah, how do you staff up a company that quick and then burn it down that quickly? Like, and you raise all that money. I guess a lot of the money went to the content. Yes. Yes. And there were, there was a lot of content. I mean, they, they certainly had shows. Um, but oh, I remember what I was going to say. Um, I think that one of the things Quibi did was they mistook the success of, 
Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok for, oh, people want short-term videos or short-form videos. But I think people actually want uh, personalized videos. Like, it's very similar to the Twitch thing in, in all cases. Like, either it's personalized to your friends uh, or it is, like, the the new celebrity where, like, no one knows, like, there is no blessed list of the American celebrities anymore <laughs> amongst, like, younger people because you, you have your little list that you follow, the Twitch streamers, the TikTok people, beauty, YouTube, whatever, right? Uh, all of those things can be thought of as short-form video, but I think it's really a different model of connecting with audiences and not about the fact that it's short-form video. I think that's a red herring. I just I just don't think mobile I just don't think mobile video is ever going to take off in the way that they that they because you're right it is user generated content and it is social content and, and it's just scripted mobile content they've been trying I mean remember Go ninety right Ver, Verizon's short lived streaming service they had for a little while that was phone exclusive I don't, I, that one I don't remember Google Go ninety uh, and there was another one too that I can't think of the name of that I think was also carrier owned that went away. Um, and it's just never worked. It's just never worked. And I continue to not, if you want to watch something, you're just going to pull up the Netflix app. Like it doesn't have to be made for your phone. Right. But among 18 year, like 15 to 18 year olds today, even never mind the younger ones, how, what percentage of their media watching time occurs on Netflix as opposed to YouTube, TikTok, Twitch. I feel like whenever I hear people older than me talking about how their kids use devices, they're usually watching both Netflix and YouTube or something at the <laughs> same time. Right. <laughs> I'm trying quickly to Google and find out uh, what young people are watching. I Googled what, <laughs> what, what are young people watching? <laughs> The youths, what do they see? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing a good job. Um, I don't think we know. I don't think people are really paying attention because people don't care about you until you're 18 years old. There's no money in you. Here we go. A new study. All right. Uh, so what we do for you, audience? Did you sit and Google things frantically? We, we ah, fact check on the fly research. market research. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah, I'm not going to find this quickly. This is not easily available statistics, but I'm going to keep working on it. I promise I'm not giving up. Um, and I will tell you that young people watch a lot of stuff, um, but that's I all I got. That pretty confidently. Yeah, you feel good about that? Yeah, yeah. I think we can say confidently that young people watch a lot of YouTube. Well, according to this from 2019, um, the typical teenager watches... Eight, watches 17 minutes of DVDs a day? That can't be right. That can I don't believe that. Sorry, DVDs? That's what, that's what this article says. I don't think I'm reading it right. Also been written by a boomer, this article. Yeah, there's a chart here. Apparently, it just says newspaper, one in four read. So I'm guessing one in four teenagers read the newspaper. I don't know. What year is this from? It says PC. Is this not from 1919? But just the way they word this, because it's like PC. Each day, 52 minutes, including applications. 
Ooh, like word processing. I, yeah, the rest of the time, they're only using the operating system. They're in the control <laughs> panel. They're poking around. They're like, <laughs> that is so funny. Um, all right. Study in 2019 found that 56% of 8 to 12-year-olds and 69% of 13 to 18-year-olds watch online videos every day. guess that's not that impressive. Oh, yeah, YouTube, YouTube was their overwhelming first choice for online videos. Three quarters of, of whom say they use the site. Right. And I'm going to guess that if you looked at the average duration of those videos, they would be less than 22 minutes oh, sure. or whatever. Right. And so I think it's easy to mistake the popularity of these things with the format, the, like the format of the media uh, and miss the fact that it's about relationship between the audience and the, the viewer. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at... Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I just... It just never... I, again, when I think of cutting-edge media for extremely young people i think jeffrey katzenberg and meg whitman so <laughs> you know not to not to hate on young people or old people i should say but um it's just like at no point was this a good idea yeah but you know what's great is jeffrey katzenberg's next idea is going to get him another couple billion dollars and he's going to do it all over again well just like dreamworks which sort of imploded I, I'm not familiar with that story. At least it's not Theranos Lady. No, I mean, to be fair, this wasn't like a scam. It was just a bad <laughs> right. business. Like, they didn't do anything illegal. They just sucked at being a business. They didn't make money. <laughs> they had a product. You could go and pay them and watch the videos. You know what I mean? I mean, give them credit for right. that. That's more than most people do. <laughs> I mean, I, although I do feel like if the three of us had $2 billion, we probably could launch a streaming. So, do you think, honestly, do you think if someone handed the three of us a check for $2 billion, we could make a streaming service that la that lasted longer than six months and had more subscribers? Yes. I, and I can tell you yes. exactly what it is I would do. Yes, please do. What Spotify did to podcasts and what Twitch and Mixler and Facebook gaming did to live streaming do for YouTube? Well... We'll back uh, 500 million of that up to some popular YouTuber and another 500 million somewhere else. And then that's, that's how we get our first couple of users. You know, that is a really interesting idea. I would worry that Google's got a bigger Brinks truck than we do. And I just don't know if they would outbid us. <laughs> but I think on foundation, it's a good idea. I haven't heard of. Uh, any of the YouTubers getting like these contracts they just do. for their videos. Well, no, what they do is they get really lucrative um, ad deals where they get bigger percentages than everyone else on YouTube. Um, mm. I, I suppose if we could beat that, um, then then perhaps. But I think I don't think you're wrong. I, I think it is a, 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 an area ripe for for doing that. If anyone's listening, uh, IRS audit hmm. people, you, you could tune back in at this point. Yes. Please don't audit our $2 billion that appeared out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> cool. So rest in peace to Quibi. No more quick bites for any of us. Um, God, what a bad name, too. God, these people are so bad at this. Um, 
was a weird name. Yeah. Um, alrighty, guys, why don't we move on to picks? It's the part of the show where each of us brings something we want to share with the world. I copy and pasted last week's picks because we didn't get to them. Um, so if you want to change yours, you're welcome to. But uh, I will go first because I'm first on the list here. And I, once again, have not picked a tech pick uh, because I'm not, although I actually have recently bought some technologies, uh, but it's on the way. So um, I will review that in the future. Tonight, though, I've got the Land's End men's suede leather flannel lined moccasin slippers um guys it's getting cool out there it's getting cool out there i'll show you so i had to order a new pair i've got paint all over mine and they're just they're disgusting (laughs) and i've had these for quite a while um but i do love me some slippers but i'm very particular because my feet sweat so i can't do anywhere it's like the real fluffy um sort of uh sheep sheep uh, fur kind of insides. I like something that's just more of a just a straight fabric, and I like the moccasin slip and slip on styles with the rubber soles, so you can take them outside or you know they're a little more versatile. I've looked all over. I've really struggled um, to find ones I like uh, that fit me well, and I love these Lands End uh, moccasin slippers. They they're um, it's got a suede finish to them. Um, they're flannel lined, uh, but it's not like a super warm flannel. It's warm enough to keep your feet warm, but you won't sweat in them. Um, they come in two great colors. Um, and uh, not only have I had these for a couple of years, but I just ordered a new pair. So um, you can check that out. The link will be on the show. But if you're looking for for men's slippers I and you like something not as aggressive as like super fluffy slippers, these are these are pretty good. I love a good pair of slippers. I, I, but you know what's crazy is I, I wear them year-round. I mean, it's not even a winter thing necessarily. I mean, this is my at-home. The issue is as soon as you get a cat who just mm-hmm. – it's his hobby to spread litter as far as he can all over the house. And it's <laughs> a pain in the ass. Um, you step on it with your bare feet, and it's not pleasant. So you got to have something with some rubber soles on it. So I wear these basically all the time. That, that doesn't sound fun. No, he's a jerk. He's a bad roommate. Yeah. Bad, I bad like slippers, mate. but I can almost never wear slippers. Like, my hands and feet are, like, my temperature extremes. And so, like, they're either, like, really cold. They're either the coldest part of my body or the hottest part of my body. And, like, if I'm wearing slippers, if they're at all fuzzy, hottest part of my body. Like, Ladies, we're going to put a poll up on Twitter. Vote. Are, are, are his feet and hands the hottest part of Colby's body? You decide. Uh, I couldn't resist. That was too easy. Fair enough. Uh, very cool. All right. Let's uh, go down the list in order here. Dan, what's yeah. good? This looks like a thing. This is a book. <laughs> uh, so I'm picking a book called Gideon the Ninth. It's the first in a trilogy, I believe. And I would describe it as sci-fi goth necromancers. Uh, yeah. if It's really weird. So that's what I will say about this book. is uh, It doesn't make a lot of sense at first. It's one of those books, and I really don't like books typically that do this where it just drops you in the middle of it you're like oh what's going on what's that what's a necromancer like what are the rules here um, and you have to figure it out but once you do figure it out it's super worth it and the writing style is like very um modern or contemporary let's say like the people speak as if they were like 
teenagers talking today. They speak in like memes. It's really weird. Uh, but it's a little bit of the actual story itself, I would say, the setting again, like sci fi fantasy goth stuff happening. Uh, the story is more like a murder mystery party. Uh, so if you like that stuff, you, you might enjoy it. Uh, Gideon the Ninth, can't speak the second and third book yet, but I really enjoyed the first one. Huh. You know, Dan, you, uh, I obviously opened these links to these picks uh, on Amazon, logged into my Amazon account. Um, and because they're run by a big computer, I start getting right. So right after we do the show, all my recommendations for a little while are always name of book followed by the blank blank trilogy book one. Um, <laughs> and it's just all of those recommendations. Um, this is the locked bomb, tr- uh, locked tomb trilogy. Locked bomb and tomb, tomb are very similar words. Um, wonderful. Gideon the ninth. Check it out. We'll have the link on the, uh, on the website. All right, uh, Colby, take us home. Yeah, so now that I work at home, um, my I spent some time making my my desk an actual like I don't know like comfortable ish workspace. Like I got like a keyboard tray and stuff, but I also got this thing to put all my devices in. Um, it's basically just a block of wood with some slots cut in it, but but it can it I can slit, slide my computers in there because I have my my own computer and my work computer, and then I have like a couple of extra tablets for work that are for like work work, um, and so it has it has five slots for five devices. It'll hold them all up. It's like a big solid block of wood. It's very uh very sturdy. It looks really cool. Um, it's from Etsy. It came from like Poland or something. It came from Europe. It had to go through customs. Was it worth it? I don't know, but maybe. <laughs> um, I do. Great endorsement I, from Colby. Was it worth it? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I really like it so far. It was. It was. It looked like exactly what I was imagining, and it was like the only thing. I could find online that was that was mostly what I was imagining. That was like the thing I was imagining, but also it, nice looking. Does it hold and, it up like a like their books in a bookshelf? It's like uh, they they kind they're kind of like angled, so they're at like you know a little uh, a little more than a ninety degree angle, like maybe a hundred hundred and ten degree angle. Sure. Um, and they're just kind of propped up in there. But yeah, I guess it's kind of like a bookshelf. But there's like a distinct slot for each device. Right, but they slot and, in and they, they stand vertically-ish. Right, right. And like the slots are like tailor-sized for like the laptop slots like fit a laptop and the, the, the mobile device slots fit a mobile device. Yeah. Pretty. I don't know. It's nice. It's, it's useful. I had too many devices. That might be an only me problem, having so many work-related devices. But well, I, ju- I just love the the wood. I'm looking at this. They have a headphone stand that is really <laughs> pretty looking. Um, I love the sort of wood wood stuff with the technology. It's a good look. 
Um, but I was impressed that they shipped. I, I, um, it was my mother's birthday this past week, and I found an item on Etsy I absolutely loved. I thought it was perfect for her. It was a cross-stitch cross accessory. Um, and it shipped from the UK. The shipping was like 26 bucks. That's where they kill you. These ship free from Poland, so um, that's not yeah. too bad. I mean, I guess the price is also $64 already, so, for a block of wood. But also, let's be honest, like, if it shipped from Wisconsin, you probably expect it to cost that anyway. That's true. That, that Etsy stuff That's don't true. come cheap. Yeah. That's cool. Well, uh, we'll have that on the website as well. Excellent. All right. Good episode all around, gentlemen. Um before I remind everybody where we're at, of course, I got to plug up for debate, guys. It's our uh, hor- uh, streaming while quarantining Halloweening movie extravaganza. Last week we watched the uh, New England 17th century thriller The Witch. Uh, suffice to say, it was a, a good historical documentary and an okay horror movie. Um, but this week we're watching what I've wanted to see for a while, uh, Child's Play. Uh, the original Chucky movie, Chucky the Doll, um, the sla- the very funny slasher movie. Uh, I'm so excited. We're going to talk about that. So uh, join us over there at UpForDebate.tv for that. Um, but this show is Don't Panic. Don'tPanic.io is our website. You can go there, get all the past episodes, the audio, the video, and, of course, links to all our picks, including this week in Pickstery, which is a lot of fun. Uh, you can also subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. We're on all the major platforms. The videos on YouTube as well. And, of course, at Don't Panic Show on Twitter and email at gmail.com to get a hold of us. Uh, Guys, anything else before we wrap, wrap, wrap it up? No, I think it's a, this is a wrap, wrap, wrap up. We're almost at a year end wrap up, if you can believe it. And we're almost at 300 episodes. So we got a, we got a great couple months coming ahead of us here. You know, I'm trying to time it because believe it or not, this week is don't panic 291. And this week will also be up for debate 191. So we may hit 300 and 200 in the same week. That's 500 episodes. Plus another, uh, technically on game nights, we're at like 88 or 89. We're really close to 100. Damn. So I would, I would love someday to hit the 300, 200, 100 club, but I'll, I'll keep dreaming. <laughs> That's how you measure success in the podcasting world, I think. That, that definitely everybody's getting a mug. Everyone's getting a new mug. That's, that's <laughs> the trigger for the, for the new custom <laughs> mug order. Um, I like it. We're, we're long overdue. So... Uh, big things on the horizon. You're going to want to stay with us. Uh, I'm Sean. They're Colby and Dan. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time for another great episode of Don't Panic. This has been a Coffee and Beer production. Executive produced by Dan Miller, Colby Rabideau, and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.